0: Tenako e te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Tēnā koutou katoa and welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolly. It's six weeks since the Christchurch mosque shootings, and the questions mount about the alt-right. Who are they? Where are they? And what do they believe? This week, we look at the far-right and its various forms, what it wants, how it operates. And as Giles Beckford has been investigating how in the age of the internet, national borders are irrelevant to global ideologies and movements. And just a warning that this programme does refer to the extreme views expressed by some alt-right groups, which listeners will find offensive. A hundred years ago, white people made up 35% of the global population. Today, we make up less than 10%. Yet all white countries and only white countries are being flooded with hundreds of millions of non-white people and assimilated with diversity programmes. Diversity is just a code word for white genocide.
1: That's a promotion used by the National Front in New Zealand, starkly, simply spelling out its anti-immigration, white race advocacy. Multiculturalism is white genocide. Cultural diversity is white genocide. Since the Christchurch mosque shooting six weeks ago, the spotlight's gone on, the disparate threads of the far-right, the alternative right, the neo-Nazis, the identitarians. That's the new populist philosophy which emphasises ethnic and cultural identity, white supremacist thinking. There's no shortage of labels and brands, shadowy groups and individuals, many of whom have disappeared from public view since the shootings. Websites and Facebook pages have been taken down, Twitter feeds sanitised, comments deleted... But how real and how organised is the far right in this country and what threat does it pose? A trawl of the internet and media shows a wide and confused potpourri of philosophies. Islamophobia, racism, anti-Semitism, conspiracy theories, anti-globalism, anti-intellectualism and even Nordic and Celtic mysticism. The tone varies from outright hatred and exhortations of extermination through to anger and restrained expressions of fear and concern. Professor Paul Spoonley of Massey University has long tracked the evolution of the far right in its various guises in New Zealand.
2: There's a new generation, and they're new in a variety of ways because um, they're much more sophisticated in terms of using technology. Uh, they're much more internationally connected, so they're hooked into that international network of far-right groups around the world. Um, one of the paradoxes is that they're still incredibly nationalistic, but in fact they're equally at, and at the same time international in their, in their outlook and in what, the way that they share ideas and views. Um, and I think one other thing is that uh, coming out of the U.S. in particular are uh, the people that The Guardian has recently called the very well-groomed far-right. They, they do present slightly differently when they come together and they're uh, part of the far-right, particularly part of the alt-right, has made an attempt to infiltrate uh, politics and political parties by being much better presented, being, in terms of their dress, uh, much more like the mainstream, but then bringing those ideas, those far-right ideas, into, into politics.
1: There have been white supremacist and racist people in groups since New Zealand was colonised by British settlers in the early 19th century. Much of the colonial government policy had a racial aspect, and the hatred directed at Chinese miners in the latter part of that century and the early part of the 20th century is well documented. The post-Second World War era heralded the emergence of the neo-Nazi groups in New Zealand, such as the National Front, which was spawned out of the organisation in Britain of the same name. It's involved those in the far right, Colin King Ansel, Kerry Bolton and Carl Chapman, whose names have been synonymous with the far right over the years. In the late 90s, after a string of racist attacks and protests against them, a new skinhead group popped up in West Auckland, Unit 88. Colin king Ansel lent his support to the group, but told an Insight programme on the far right in 2001 that they were a group of young men trying to find their way.
2: When I sort of teamed up with Unit 88 and helped them out, I thought you know, that you know, their leader had potential to be a possible leader in the future. I saw in the you know, the, you know, the skinheads a the, uh, disillusioned to youth who were looking for something, searching for something. I thought, well, my, you know, with my years behind me, you know, I could sort of help them out. Because a lot, a lot of my kids had come from broken homes, they'd got into drugs and alcohol and things like that, and, and they're probably like a
1: lot of the youth today, they're, looking, they're searching for something, like I was searching for something in my day. Well, the group didn't last long, Now, Mr Chapman says the Christchurch shootings have sent the far right in all its guises scampering undercover. He says he's turned his back on matters political, although he's said that in the past and reappeared in different guises. But one thing he says about the former neo-Nazi groups was that they gathered together the like-minded and gave them an outlet for their views, although he's not particularly flattering.
3: Most ultra-right or um, or most right-wing people are alcoholics and drug addicts who get stoned or wasted and talk about a whole lot of crap all the time. No, nothing that they said could be taken seriously. But obviously they're going to say, um, you know, it's stupid stuff when they're drunk or whatever. And But, yeah, like I said, most of them have um, got criminal records, unable to hold firearms licences, and um, are usually quite content to just sit at home drunk and moan about stuff.
1: And Kyle Chapman gives his definition on the new breed... The alt right.
3: The alt right are normal people that 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 have just got sick of um, the constant um, media barrage of um, misinformation, um, dramatisation, demonisation. The alt right almost are completely anti-Muslim. That's what they really care about. A lot of them aren't even nationalists, so they don't even really care about protecting New Zealand's borders or any of that kind of stuff. They just they just have a. uh, a view that they need to stabilise civilization by keeping out people that might be militants.
1: Carl well, Chapman in the 1990s confessed to firebombing a marae in Invercargill in a racist attack, and for a time he ran a trust in Christchurch aiming to turn young men away from crime. Although it transpired he was using the trust to disseminate neo-Nazi literature. He says he's rejected politics now because he's lost faith in making change. So who are the far-right, the alt-right, the new-right? What do we call them? What do they stand for? And where are they? Once they were easy to identify, largely white male skinheads, neo-Nazi, surrounded by Nazi regalia, slogans, inevitably dressed in black, National Socialists, the National Front...
2: Cities like Birmingham, places where I live now, which has got moss and, and, and where there's multiracialism just completely out of control. We've, been, we've seen it every day. You don't need the reminder. But the fact that we are here today and that we're still here, and 50 years on, all I can say about the National Front is that we've been telling the truth since 1967. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the truth is now being born out.
1: The National Front is the granddaddy of the far right in this country, taking its lead from the British organisation of the same name. It evolved from a long-since defunct and prosaically named group, the League of Empire Loyalists. The Front was a neo-Nazi nationalist and anti-immigration group which pushed the conspiracy theory of Holocaust denial. Through the next couple of decades, it waxed and waned, sometimes active, sometimes in hibernation. In recent years it's pushed its course through public rallies flag days as it called them it's attempted on several occasions to rally in Parliament with permission and in 2017 it faced a hostile reception at the time the National Front spokesman Kevin Gibson voiced his worries
3: I believe in what's happening is white genocide and I think that's a term people are going to be hearing, hearing more and more. And I think white New Zealand is going to be dying out and I don't see a future for white New Zealand the way things are at the moment. I think we're living in anti-white times and mass immigration which I think in combination don't don't bode a good future for us. I think white New Zealanders are the only ethnicity that can't um, advocate for themselves with all other ethnicities can so I think there's an anti-white bias and combine that with low birth rates and high immigration um, yeah I think we're heading for the end of white New Zealand.
1: Well, Kevin Gibson might be seen as a rank-and-file supporter, but Kerry Bolton has long been a prominent personality of the far-right in this country. He's been involved in a variety of organisations with neo-Nazi and occult connections, such as the Order of the Left-Hand Path, which became the Order of the Left Way, and then the Black Order, and claimed to be part of a global occult fascist axis. Other groups he's been involved in include the Nationalist Workers' Party, the New Zealand Fascist Union and the New Zealand National Front and the New Right Group. These days he's become something of a font of knowledge for the far right in this country, publishing a series of books about occultism, Stalin, Zionism, Russia, capitalism and finance. In the past few weeks he's published a long article looking at the aftermath of the mosque shootings and lamenting the almost non-existent right in this country and its political immaturity. But last year on an American right-wing streaming platform, happy homelands, he spoke with some hope about the emergence of identity politics and its local manifestation.
4: I've spoken of a crisis for decades and it looked so it wasn't actually going to happen. And uh, But now I think it is happening and there is a, a reaction uh, spreading right across Europe and uh, even in New Zealand. I was quite firmly convinced that we would never have a right wing ever, not only in my lifetime, but ever have a right wing in New Zealand. But now we've got a, a, a really good um, organisation of young people called the Dominion Movement, inspired by the Alt Right and the Identitarians. And they're you know they're um, not only you know keeping themselves physically fit and cleaning rubbish off beaches etc., but they're uh, you know educating themselves, they're putting up propaganda etc. So right across the world. There's a new identity, well, it's actually called identitarianism, you know, in my view. This is the the movement of the future, as far as I can see, right across Europe, into the USA, and even in Australia and and New Zealand.
1: I'm Giles Beckford, and you're listening to an Inside Programme, exploring the far right in New Zealand. In the United States and Europe, neoconservatives, nationalists and populists have seized on the tide of immigration and militant Islam to fashion new grievances and beliefs. And new organisations, emboldened perhaps by the electoral success of nationalist politicians in Central Europe, and the stance reported on here by BBC Newsnight in nations such as Hungary. Hungary's ruling party have rejected the liberal democratic model that has shaped much of Europe since the Second World War. They see themselves as defending Hungary from being bullied by the big powers of Europe and by Brussels into complying with liberal policies that they see as hostile to Hungarian values. They talk of Hungary as though it's facing a real existential threat and the need to defend the Christian heritage upon which Hungarian identity is based. Although nationalist-based populism isn't prominent here, the ideology which supports it is. Among the groups identified as active in this country, at least at some stage in the recent years, ah, the right-wing resistance. That's an offshoot of the National Front. Carl Chapman used to be an active member, but he had a falling out with other members. Indeed, that's a feature of many of these groups. Ideological or personality divisions, which lead to splinter groups. The right-wing resistance was active in the Lower North Island and Christchurch. It's organised itself on military lines with ranks and uniforms in the style of the German security force, the SS. Its most recent leader was the Masterson-based Vaughan Tocker. Here he is in the 2017 TVNZ item. We're just worried about the cultures we're bringing into the country, especially when they're killing and raping white people in their own countries. And they'll start voting in their own governments start making your own laws, and they're already taking over most of our businesses and a lot of our lands, and we'll be the ones that are unemployed, and we'll be the ones that are homeless.
2: And that's a real fear for you?
1: Yeah, it's a fear for everybody, not just myself. Then there's the Western Guard, the group surfaced at Auckland and Victoria Universities and tried a white supremacist poster run through both campuses in early 2017. Well, most of those posters were ripped down. Its Facebook page has now disappeared, but a post in 2017 gave special thanks to its brothers in the United States, Vanguard America. Well, the group it seems to have been inspired by is the Western Guard Party, was founded in the early 70s by a Canadian white supremacist group. The Dominion Movement is another. It's the group which gave Kerry Bolton some hope of a fledgling intellectual and active right wing in this country. It called itself a fraternity of young New Zealand nationalists, but just hours after the mosque shootings, it disappeared from view. Its Facebook page, its website, and public members have all disappeared. But this is how it was describing itself.
3: We recognise and are proud that Europeans are the defining people of this nation and that they were essential in its creation. As young white men, we honour the sacrifices of our forefathers by protecting and strengthening the legacy they left us. We oppose the animosity and contempt this system holds for us and our people. We reject the entire concept of white guilt. We oppose the influence and financial domination of foreign powers.
1: But its website carried this disclaimer. We
3: here at the Dominion Movement are opposed to violence. We seek change through the dissemination of information and through self-improvement and community building.
1: Such proclamations of open debate seem at odds with the many photos that have been posted of the movement's members and its supporters posing with masks and bandanas and dark glasses to hide their faces as they hold up flags with Nazi-linked symbols, such as the Sonnenrad, a stylized black sun used by the SS. Ironically, a search for the Dominion movement throws up more readily a link to the activities of a similar-named group. It's campaigning for animal safety and veganism. But there are still others. The European Student Association emerged on Auckland University with posters promoting the European way of life. It drew criticism, but professed it has no white supremacist ethos, nor, it claims, does it promote racism or violence. In the past few weeks, some students have reported a resurgence in white supremacist activity on campus, although the number of groups it decries seem wide, as RNZ's Katie Scotch had detailed on Morning Report.
0: Dotted along the walls of Auckland University sit small posters with the slogan Zero Tolerance for Racism. More recently, since the Christchurch terror attacks to be exact, white supremacist graffiti, posters and stickers have appeared on those walls too. Dozens of students say they no longer feel safe on campus because of an increasing number of people with extreme white supremacist views. This young woman says one of those students threatened to fill laboratories with gas.
3: You know, they've made terrorist threats to our workspaces. When they do come into workspaces, they go out of their way to physically intimidate ethnic minorities, women, trans people.
1: Auckland University dismissed the claims of a resurgent white supremacist activity as utter nonsense, and there was no police investigation. Not all groups that might be classified as part of the alt-right are overtly racist, Islamophobic or white supremacist. But there are touchstone issues that have attracted the far right in all its forms. The United Nations Migration Compact, which strengthened international cooperation in dealing with refugees and the effects of migration, drew much opposition. Another was last year's aborted tour by Canadian far-right activists Stephen Molyneux and Lauren Southern, and the jailing of a far-right extremist in Britain, Tommy Robinson. He was the former leader of the English Defence League, who was jailed for contempt of court, for identifying defendants entering court by posting a Facebook Live video. His conviction and the rejection of the Canadian speakers were portrayed as free speech issues. And in the background lies a deep antipathy to all things liberal, so-called political correctness and social justice causes such as gender rights and diversity. They may not start as white supremacists, which is how they've attracted conservative Christians, similar to the groups which have emerged as powerful backers of President Donald Trump. But a former FBI special investigator, Ali Soufan, says the problem is that Western governments haven't yet worked out how to stop the transition to violence.
3: The rise of this movement is connected to the rise of ultranationalist politics across of Europe and even here in the United States. So we don't have a political agreement on coming up with a strategy to counter uh, the threats posed by this kind of hate groups. It becomes a political issue domestically, and as it is in so many countries uh, around Western Europe. If you look, for example, at the recent elections in Europe, you see that there is an overlap between right-wing extremism and between nationalistic
1: politics. Paradoxically, they can be all things to all people. Pro-Israel, anti-Zionist, anti-Islam or anti-immigration. One New Zealand group which espouses the new shade of conservatism and the alternative right is the Right Minds Group, headed by Dewey Deboe. He's called himself a gun-toting, Bible-bashing, conservative family man, making an heroic last stand for freedom as the sun sets on Christian civilization. In particular, the group opposed the United Nations Migration Compact. It's criticised the move to limit gun ownership and the potential clampdown on hate speech. It openly shuns illegal activity. It doesn't take openly racial-based stands. In public, at least, it's as critical of fascist as it is of communists. Insight asked Dewey De Boer for an interview on his views and that of his group in the wake of the mosque shootings. He said he'd been fooled by the mainstream media once and wouldn't let that happen again. So he would limit himself to talking only to what he called alt-media. One of those alt-media outlets is an Australian internet-based platform, The Unshackled, to which Right Mind seems affiliated. Shortly after the mosque shooting, Dewey DeBoer had this to
5: say about how the events had affected him. The Islamic ideology is, is, is what it is, and um, we see all throughout the Western world that with continued mass immigration, things only only deteriorate further and further. And so I don't reject uh, people who are in New Zealand, and I do believe that the, the Muslims who are in New Zealand can uh, integrate with us. And I would like to see people integrate, and, and it's not about being against immigration in general. But about uh, uh, having people who will fit who will want to fit in who will want to integrate and who will want to participate in our society without turning it into the society that they left for for a reason and so it is a, it is a a continuing worry, or, or something to keep an eye on, on is: uh, will we get more of this? Will we get retaliatory attacks? And will we con- uh, continue to see what is essentially uh, a more division being driven between groups of people here in New Zealand, which is what um, what causes a lot of the a lot of disharmony and inevitably ends in violence.
1: The group may shun open racism or violent imagery in public. But postings on its open Facebook site are sometimes inclined to white nationalism and share or allude to some crude anti-Islam links. And There are other groups which attract the disaffected, the conspiracy theorists and the disillusioned. They seem to come and go with relative frequency. Those like the Make New Zealand Great Again, Kiwis Against Islamification of New Zealand and others have been present and fringe political parties such as the New Conservative Party attract their fair share of the far or new right as well. An understanding of the international links of such groups is the contact between the man charged with the Christchurch mosque shootings and foreign groups. His meanderings through Pakistan, India and the Balkans have been publicised. He donated about $3,000 to an Austrian far-right group, the Identitarian Movement of Austria, headed by Martin Selner. In the aftermath of the Christchurch shootings, those groups were visited by their respective security services in each country, but at this stage, nothing seems to have eventuated from those inquiries. There are links between this country and Australia in far-right politics. The New Zealand right-wing resistance movement spawned a similar group across the Tasman, and that's become a breeding ground for anti-immigration, anti-homosexual, anti-Islamic, pro-white groups such as the Antipodean Resistance and Reclaim. But it's not just close to home that the accused appeared to reach out for like minds. With white nationalism well established in Europe, one of the Christchurch attackers' stated inspirations was Anders Breivik, who killed 77 people in July 2011 in Norway. In neighbouring Sweden, the leader of the neo-Nazi Nordic resistance movement was quick to comment on the mosque shootings. RNZ asked Simon Lindbergh for an interview. He said he would only talk to us in a live-to-air interview which we declined to do. However, in his article about the killings, Simon Lindbergh walked the line between neither praising nor condemning the shootings. It is hard not to feel some sympathy for the two main motives that he gives in his manifesto, that the white race is heading towards its biological destruction via extremely low birth rates combined with mass
2: immigration of non-whites and revenge for the terrorist attacks committed by
1: racially alien Muslims against innocent whites. It is remarkable that no one ever fights back and deals out at least a little justice for these crimes. This act will be used to mobilise opinion against us in general and to justify a ban on us in particular. These views will be abhorrent to New Zealanders, but they exist. So where do these groups connect in the 21st century? It's the internet and on social media. Right-wing chat forums such as Gab, Stormfront, 4chan and 8chan are popular online meeting places for the far-right in all its manifestations. Ben Ely works for Independent Research Solutions in Christchurch and has written a PhD into pro-fascist alt-right communities. He says the internet gives the structure and the echo-chamber effect brings like minds from around the world together and reinforces their thinking.
4: I do see plenty of New Zealanders on um, alt-right forums, um, not a disproportionate quantity or by any means, but um, but still plenty. And, and, and our politics here are not really that different than overseas. They're perhaps not as extreme, but many of the same issues um, are happening here. And so it's it, w- it was pretty much inevitable that we would see some of this spilling over over here as well. The alt-right community is is quite international, and it's. Um, Although it tends to be very American in outlook, or European among certain areas, it views itself as sort of paradoxically international. Although they talk about nationalism, they are, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, they really view America and Australia and New Zealand and Europe as, as all as, as big one big white European international group.
1: But the echo chamber effect to which Ben Ely refers reverberates through this country as well. And for a Muslim community wanting to put the terrors of overseas behind them, the channels of hate frighten them. As Anjum Rahman of the Federation of Islamic Women recounts.
0: Yeah, there is a lot more that we see on social media, uh, a lot more really negative commentary in terms of racist incidents and Uh, verbal abuse that does tend to be linked to incidents that are happening overseas and then we all will see a spike when something happens majorly overseas and yes definitely women do tend to bear the brunt of it because we tend to be more visible and seen to be more vulnerable.
1: The police have started to visit prominent and vocal right-wing personalities since the shootings, but given the country's security services were largely focused looking out for Islamic threats, there will be a scramble to make up for lost time.
0: That program was written and presented by Giles Beckford. Next week on Insight, we return to the dark places of the internet and groups like 4chan and 8chan. Max Toll has been investigating whether closer surveillance of sites is the answer or whether such anonymous communities have an important role in giving oppressed or isolated people an opportunity to speak. I'm Philippa Tolley, and that's all from Insight for today. Lovely to have you with us. Ka anō.